Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. These Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys and girls. Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nothing spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. These Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got game him. Winner. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. JJ German for the win. He got it. JJ German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandos and the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. That says it all, does it not, that intro? Uh, Santos and the sidekick with you on what is a glorious Monday. And not because of an ETSU win, but in dramatic fashion. The ETSU Bucks, if you believe in looking at the, um, which I do not, the uh, little index thing that ESPN does, percentage to win and all that. Oh, it was 99, it was 99, 99, 99, 50%, 99, 50%, 99, next thing you know, 100. And all that matters is what it was 100 at the end. And we should point out 98, 99 the other way. And then 100 Correct. for the Bucks Sorry. after that incredible – I just can't comprehend it. You know, we sit here every Monday, Jay, we're at the stadium, and we overlook the sight of these amazing comebacks, William B. Green Jr. Stadium. And every week I find it harder to believe that these type of things happen four or five different times, mind you. And you probably did the same thing. I sat back in the middle of the fourth quarter and was like, well, this game's over. Uh, it looks like the Bucks are in serious trouble when it comes to a postseason berth. Looks like down the stretch that they're having some serious trouble completing this season, finishing, as Trayvon Farrell says, leaving a legacy, as Austin Herrick said. But once again, the offense comes through at the right time. The defense does what they need to do. And Randy Sanders, Austin Herrick, and the Bucks are – on the verge of, I believe, and I hope we talk about this more as we go towards this weekend, but on the verge of just needing that one win to get, to the, to, get to the playoffs. Playoffs! I, we we got to have, there's a bracketologist for the FCS, you probably know him better than I, we got to have him on, talk about it, because I need to know, since this is a first-time thing for me and a first-time thing for the Bucks for the last uh, 15, 20 years, what we need to happen to get to the playoffs. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to work on getting that lined up Fantastic. for next week for the simple reason of, it's still going to be in the conversation, but it's really going to be a situation going. I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll get him two weeks in a row. Maybe I'll reach out today sure. and see if I can get him on because um, I can get Sam on. And the thing I like about him is he he does the predictions the way he does it is he's already predicted the rest of the year. So it would be nice oh, maybe to get his thoughts on, on what he feels about ETSU Mercer, ETSU Sanford. And if that's the case and he's predicting – Sanford Wofford game this week. He's predicting what Chat's going to do to see exactly what he was thinking. Now, last week going into that, I know he thought Elon would come to ETSU and the winner would get Wofford. So my guess is not much has changed. Right. Um, you know, he may plug in a team here and there, but he also does what I think is smart. He doesn't do what most bracketologists at FCS don't understand how it actually works. And so what they do is kind of seed it one through 24 and give you a proper way, like an NCAA tournament-type deal. But that's not actually how FCS works. The top eight is done the way it is done. After that, they look at the teams that are in it and say, okay, who's going to bid to host? This team we know is going to bid to host. This team's not. And then let's see. Then it goes regional. So, for an example, last couple years you've seen a situation where Southern Conference teams have met in the second round. Yes. Uh, Two years ago it was Citadel and – I'm sorry, it was a Wofford and Charleston Southern. The winner played the Citadel. It was Wofford-Furman last, last year. Last year, right, Furman played Elon in a rematch, won that game, and went. And then even uh, if you look out uh, a, a little further west, Sanford and Kennesaw played in a regular season, played in the playoffs. And the winner played Jacksonville State, which is exactly in the middle of Sanford and Kennesaw, so between Birmingham and Atlanta. So that's the way he kind of does it. There's – um. There's so much to go over, and we got Matt Wildrum coming on at 11:15. So I don't, I don't, I don't want to fully go over play by play in this segment, just because I've got to try. We got to try to rehash it, and, I, and Matt and I joked last 
last night about what we were talking about doing this segment. Like, do do you remember all of it? Like, do we need to go to the book to look at all? I mean, but and Randy Sanders said that too post game. But here here's the thing I've I've tried to tell people, and, and you've sort of mentioned it, but. You get like a comeback a year, right? Yeah. But but to Apparently have not. three or f- exactly to have three or four improbable victories kind of work out in your favor, and and to do so really defensively a lot. That's sort of the shocker too, because and, and I know offense at, at ETSU Furman they had to make up the points, and I know to get to overtime they needed the offense to get them to there. But to have the defense be on the field to end the game at VMI, to, to end the game against Chattanooga, end the game uh, against Furman, end the game last game against Western Carolina, that, that's what's amazing to me is that the defense, which is the strength of the team, has been able to, to sort of hold out on those situations uh, with the offense doing enough to, to get a victory. But Austin Herrick uh, in, in the fourth quarter did uh, made some throws that, that you know, honestly – I don't want to use the word timid. That's probably not. He he is very cautious with the football, and so he doesn't attempt to make those throws uh, in regulation a lot, or, or when the back's not up against the wall. But but the strike he threw to Ari Warts uh, on the fourth and five, there was a couple of times he he threaded the ball in there. Uh, you know, showed you that he can make those throws. And 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 and, and naysayers like me are like, ah, oh, come on, Austin. I mean, he's yep. he, he, he he can absolutely throw a BB in tight coverage and put it in a small window. Again, that fourth and five, I watched it a couple times this morning just to see how tight the throw was because watching it live sometimes, you know, especially me doing play-by-play, a little scattered looking at a, a bunch of other things instead of focusing in. And, I mean, he could not have made a more – or couldn't have made a better throw, a more NFL-type throw than what he threw there. Here's what I think he does well. And you can say what you will about – what was it, three interceptions – he, he hasn't had... Two were not his fault, Sure. in fairness. Now, the one behind in overtime, I believe it was, the yes. one behind Ari Words, are you counting that or as at, not his Adkins. fault? Atkins. Atkins, sorry. That uh, was coming over the middle. I, well, well, now, and, and no, because the, the, the first one, uh, Keith Coffey fell down. Yes, right. Right, and right, the second sure. one was tipped at the line of scrimmage, so I actually was not counting okay. that one. But okay. you could make an argument. You could. You could make an argument all three, but I, I was not counting uh, that one because he did throw behind. And I know, again, Atkins had it, but he was so open on the play, and there wasn't a lot of pressure. I just think if Austin had to do that over again, but I wasn't counting the first two. I think you got to make a better throw. Agree. Uh, that being said, if, if you're not counting that, so – it's really one interception that is quote unquote his fault. And it's that one. Um, I think it's fair to say not a great day for Austin Herrick on the whole. If you take away situation, time and place. Now, of course you don't do that. What I think that he does incredibly well, he knows time and situation and he knows when he has to take it to another level. He, and Mark Spears said this to us, Western Carolina head coach, when we were talking to him and we ran a pregame, but we talked to him on, I think it was Wednesday of last week. He said, that kid is just a winner. He knows how to manage the game, and he knows, and he didn't say this second part specifically, but I, I'm kind of adding and paraphrasing. He knows when he has to elevate his game. He knows when he has to air it out against Furman, down 21. He comes in and has to make some incredible throws, incredible plays. He knows down 15 with six minutes left. Let's just state the obvious here, but an incredible feat to come back from 15 down with six minutes left. He knows that he's right up against the wall, and he has to do something more, something better, something else in order to get ETSU over the line. And that's when he plays his best football. The guy thrives under pressure in those type of situations. To say he's a gamer is an oh, understatement. Oh, gosh. To, to make the plays he does and and to be uh, physical as he is because, he, you know, he runs a, a touchdown in the, the corner, the, the two-point play. It was a design quarterback draw. Then he drops back, goes through some progressions. And, I mean, again, I watched the, the, the tape this morning. Everyone was covered up. He had no other choice but to tuck and run and kind of manhandled his way into the end zone as well. And, and let's be fair to Austin. There were a couple of throws that were just drops again. He had one yeah. uh, on a busted play, which on the ball snapped early, and, and he throws a corner end zone and missed. He threw another one. Now, they ended up scoring on the play, uh, but he ends up throwing one to the back corner of the end zone right before he runs it in, and that ball was dropped. So he had some 
some balls thrown again that would have helped out his passing numbers uh, and, and would have had a, a, at least an extra. Actually, would have had two extra touchdown passes on the board because the Bucks settled for a field goal and then, then he ran one in. But he would have had much better passing numbers again. And then again, you know, Keith Coffey slips and falls. There's a deflected ball. The ball's a little behind. And you could still make an, ar- an argument for Atkins, even though it was behind him. It still hit both hands. The old adage, right, it hits him. you got to make a play. And considering uh, the throw he had made to Atkins before on uh, the backside of the end zone for the touchdown. And Atkins, honestly, it, it made some pretty good catches this year. Ari Warts, I can't say enough about it. He had a little bit of a, a – he had some injuries, so I don't want to call it a disappearing act because, you know, injuries are there. He, he didn't suit out for Similar a couple of games. Similar to Jacob Sailors in the middle of the season. Right. But he just – the catch he made in the first, in the first half, uh, kind of diving to the ground, that was an unbelievable grab. Then he catches one up the seam, catches one on the fourth and five. Maybe a forgotten one was when after the Bucks got sacked on the third overtime. You know, they, they had a couple guys uh, splitting uh, Tillman the safety, but the defensive tackle did a good job of getting by Matt Pike and sacking Herrick. And so then you're talking about second and for days. And, and I thought it was a good comeback route by Ari Wartz, who actually had a shoulder injury and was having trouble moving his right shoulder. But Ari Wartz made a ton of plays. Uh, all three catches he made were in the fourth quarter overtime. And so he really just uh, – uh, and I thought he had four catches. I, not, I think they don't you – know, you know what? I know they did. They actually had the it wrong. The touchdown they had well, they well, entered wrong. Yeah, well, at the, yeah they, they had it entered to um, – uh, they did have it entered wrong. I saw him. Right? Uh, Who didn't dress? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what it was. So, uh, so they had McGowan with a catch to the Warts. So Warts actually had four catches. But all of them were in the fourth quarter, all meaningful or in overtime. And so to have him step up, and I thought it was a great job uh, by the team, again, just kind of believing in themselves, right? I mean, even the defense having to make a play on third and one uh, to get the ball punted back to him. And Ian Berryman, my goodness, he murdered a punt to flip the field. Uh, in which the Bucks uh, had a pretty decent return, considering uh, it was a 58-yard missile uh, that was caught by uh, Dominic Williams going back towards the end zone, and he has a great return. Problem is, there's a block in the back, right? Puts it at the 12-yard line. The Bucks go 88 yards. So there's a lot to go over. I mean, the one thing is, you just the the tenacity of this team, and every time you think that horseshoe has kind of ran its course, they they continue to to make plays and defy the odds. I'll be interested to hear what your play that shifted the game was for me and I'm going to go in a little bit of a soapbox Mark Spear is a veteran coach he's been doing this for a long time and he's a very good coach I never understand why you depart from your identity as much as Western Carolina did in that first overtime you get 14 yards in the first two plays and you pack it in and play for the field goal when your your game as Western Carolina is scoring touchdowns and running with Tyree Adams and playing off of him as one of the best play your best player maybe the Southern Conference's top talent is Tyree Adams and he is the one in your backfield touching the ball every play and we laboriously drove home that point last week he is the guy and you specifically and rightfully so he is the guy that a lot of times your best players let's take Odell Beckham Jr. for instance in the NFL He's the Giants' best player, probably. At least has the best track record. Maybe Saquon Barkley's entering that conversation. But he's a wide receiver. He's going to touch the ball maybe five, six times a game. He's going to get targeted maybe 10, 12 times a game. Tyree Adams is going to touch the ball every single play. Why in the world, at this level especially, and, and I don't get it at the NFL or the FBS level either, but at the FCS level, field goals are no guarantee. What in the world are you doing changing your entire approach, your entire persona, going and playing for a field goal, and also not even doing that well. In the fact that you tried to line it up center, right, center cut. If that ball is lined up right between the posts, then that is a good field goal and the game's over. You line it up even with the left post and you kick it on third down. I could not fathom what was going through Mark's Well, the kicking on third happened. down, if you're playing for the – and they were. They were playing for the field goal. If you're playing for the field goal, the, the third down kick I understand why you do it. No, I understand they why went, you do he it. He went by the book. Snap, that, that, whatever. And, and, and that's to your point. So – Every coach it's at horrible. some point oh, goes by the, the, the quote, and I'm using air quotes here. I know people can't see me. The air quotes, the book. And so that basically says, here's what you do to win a game in this situation. Do you go to four minute off? My bigger gripe with Western was uh, similar to my bigger gripe uh, at Wofford. It just didn't cost Wofford. You got Andre Stoddard, and you're throwing the ball down the field, throwing an interception to keep the Bucks in it. Like, just, just, it's over. Pound it, get out of it. 
I thought the third, the sort of the third, second and third down call at the end of regulation killed them. I mean, third and one, first of all, they they didn't even run a, a read type play. They just ran a counter uh, on third and one, ran a counter from a shotgun. Bucks got great penetration and, and, and gobbled it up. Uh, Donovan Spencer gobbled him up short of the first. But I kind of thought there's just a, you know, student body quarterback or something with a quarterback with a rollout, and he's the most dynamic player in the league. And I, after seeing him again, I don't think it's even close. And I'm sorry, Devlin Hodges and Reed Chudinski is throwing up all kinds of stupid numbers passing, but I, I would take Tyree Adams in a heartbeat uh, over both those guys, and that's just me. But um, – I, I thought they had some issues there. I had a feeling that's what they were going to do in overtime, and I uh, thought that did give the Bucks an advantage. Uh, and the, the weird thing was watching the field go over, if that was kicked from 26 yards, it was good. Yeah. It was a very slight hook that just kept moving over. Why do you line it up with the left post? Mm. And if you don't like where you are, then I know that the book says third down in case yep. there's a fumbled snap, in case there's uh, whatever happens. It again, yes, sure. yeah, Get it center. Get it right aligned with the middle of where the stanchion goes up and connects those uprights. Put it in the center of the field yeah. because that at least will then you know give your field goal kicker supposedly quote you know whatever your field goal pick, maybe he prefers it left left upright. I'm not sure, but I just I don't know. I, I could not believe. I'm still beside myself. Obviously, no, I am too. I I, I thought the and I thought Coach Spear cost himself a couple times, and I think he's an outstanding coach. Yes, I thought that going for two early was a bad decision. Yes. Both two-point plays, they were throwing short of the end zone. And on the first one, it was a glorified screen that that, uh, that I think New England ran against Atlanta, which is where now teams have kind of picked that up, where they have a bunch set, a guy in motion, and they just catch snap, throw it, and the other two guys are just kind of knocking the guys off the ball so a guy can fall forward. That's what they were trying to do with Patton. And I've seen other teams – run it uh, obviously just being a pass fan I see it more but other teams have that play in but the ball was short hopped to Pat and didn't even get there and then on the last play the Bucks just sold out said all right we're blitzing six and and so somebody's going to be unblocked happened to be Gatewood but the way they ran the play and, and again it was to Daquan Patton started on the right side and they were basically running three receivers to the left to kind of mm-hmm. run as much interference and Patton was open he was open but where he ran the route to he would have caught it at around the five yard line so I don't know if that's Patton's fault but both the two point plays were just not good efforts by uh, uh, Western along with, with some other miscues and maybe that's the reason why their record is what it is but I thought Western I will give them credit for this they could have easily, after giving up the 15 points, kind of kind of packed it in. True. They were still in it and had chances to win. And even after the missed field goal, they come back very next play and score. So I give them a little credit, uh, just a little bit of tenacity on their their part to not kind of, oh, boy, here we go again, fifth loss. We're just, you know, well, let's just go ahead and get off the field. They did battle uh, to, to stay in there. They just, uh, you know, it's the difference in, in the season the Bucks are having, the difference Western's having. They've – They've survived a game or two that way. They've lost a couple games that way, um, and they're 500. You know, we've talked about that all the time. When you when you play these tight games and, and how you play on those tight games or what your record is, the Bucks are undefeated in those games. Are you know seven and two on the season. Western's kind of 500 in that, and guess what? They're about 500 on the season. So. I think we need steps out of time. We got okay. to so We could talk. We could yeah, talk about this all day. Yeah. I mean, oh, and we will. We're, we're so going to talk about it some more. So. We'll step aside for a timeout. More Sanders inside. Don't forget to download SoundCloud, iTunes. Matt Wiljum after this time. Out your word for the Buccaneers Sports Network. Congrats, you made it through National Ice Cream Day, National Hot Dog Day, and even National Sunglasses Day. You took on the heat, took care of the yard, and even took a vacation. But now it's October, and you finally have a chance to breathe. And with that chance to breathe also comes a chance for fun when you play new October Instant Games. Pick up one of four new games for a chance to win $1,000 up to a million dollars. Fall into some fun with new October Instant Games from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Wow, am I happy about my new Wow Rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much-needed Bucks tickets to cheer on my team. Learn more about Wow Rate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Wow Rate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Go Bucks! Bank your own way. Citizens Bank member FDIC. 
Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! Are you having fun at bad time? Mm, you smell fresh as spring. Hey, Frank, is this lettuce ready for the customers? No. No, not yet. Frank, they're perfect. Let go of the cart. No. Frank, now. But I didn't get to say goodbye. At Food City, our produce experts are passionate about offering the freshest fruits and vegetables around. We're Food City, and we're very picky about produce. Today and every day, the Johnson City Way. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City Way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City Way. When you come to Johnson City Honda, you can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. Green Stadium, Sandos and the Sidekick, Monday edition of the podcast. Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher, and uh, I don't know. Where's Matt I don't know, but where do we start? Let's just, he calls in, he calls in. He's got a real job, I'm fine with that, but let's just look at, I mean, six and a half minutes, give or take to go. Down 15, ETSU at that point able to go eight plays, 81 yards, just a minute 38 off the clock able to get the Austin Herring touchdown. And then I thought both teams did a good job of, of the kickoff, right? I thought other than Western being off sides and then cost themselves a bunch of yards, I, I thought they came out prepared for an onside kick. I thought ETSU may kick it deep, but obviously sensing um, maybe needed to make a change, that's some pressure. Coach went with a pooch kick. And I thought that style of play was much better because – you know, obviously 10 guys in the middle, the chances of getting a traditional big hop bounce, and then you give Western a ball at midfield with three timeouts, I thought was a little difficult to, to do. But once I saw their pooch kick, I thought that was brilliant. Yes. And then I thought it was curious that Western did not have anybody back deep for the second one, I guess thinking that they were going to try something similar. But then Daquan Patton goes back, not just that, uh, to have to go all the way back to the 14 to cover it before ETSU gets down there. But then he slips and falls. Yeah. And, and and just cost them all a bunch of yardage. So I thought all of that was interesting leading into the Bucks getting their final possession. The final possession itself, um, just, again, incredible. And you're not going to believe me on this, but Jacob can vouch for me back in studio. We were down there obviously doing the game, producing it in studio. I said once they got the touchdown, QB draw. Got to go QB draw. And I don't understand, quite honestly, why that wasn't, and I'm going to stop hammering Western on everything because I, just I'll summarize, I did think they got outcoached, and I thought that Mark, I think Mark Spiro probably on his coaching show this week would be the first to tell you that he made some mistakes down the stretch. But Austin Herrick, he's shown a penchant to run the ball. Uh, he's added that dimension to his game. Um, he's more of an athlete than I think anyone gives him credit for, and he said it on the route tree last week. His vertical is like 39 inches. Now, does that play into running two, three yards? No, it doesn't. But it's just to say that with athleticism like he has, he can do some things that other quarterbacks cannot. Now, is he as good an athlete as Tyree Adams? Well, probably not. But when you have a play where you – and I'm going to ask Randy Sanders to say When you have a play where you need two, three yards, the game's on the line, 
really, in some ways, your season is on the line. Because you go to Mercer this weekend, and that's definitely no guarantee, right? I mean, that's going to be a very tough task. And then you have Sanford at home, and Devlin Hodges is probably going to throw for like 700 yards, right? Because that's what he does. He's averaging like 415 a game. So when you have one play, what do you go to? And that's something I think that's fun to fantasize about and think about. It's, it's kind of like, I'm sure as a coach, it's kind of like drawing up in your backyard when you're a kid. Bases loaded. Two outs, bottom of the ninth, World Series, you know, and, and you go, you step up, you hit a home run. I think Randy Sanders hit a home run with that play call, the quarterback draw, and, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I kind of am, uh, about, you know, calling that QB draw, but even more so tooting the horn of Randy Sanders and Austin Herrick because that was the perfect call. Why make things more complicated than they need to be? Get guys going downhill. Your quarterback who's 6'3 and, and whatever, 220, 225, whatever he is, big, strong guy that can run a bit and, and can bowl his way forward, is not afraid to take a hit, and has told us before on this show, I've got only a few games left. I'm going to leave it all out there, and he left it all out there on that play. I think it goes to show you again, a guy's played about 40 college football games. Yeah. I mean, it just, you know, he, he kind of joked about it on the route tree, and it was a little painful joke for him, but he said, you know, I used to think I was a pretty good, maybe maybe slightly above average quarterback, uh, you know, at the FCS level to maybe I might be the best backup yeah. in FCS. And certainly just with his game experience, and now you're starting to see the comfort behind wins and tenacity. But I thought that the play call two was brilliant because that's not a play generally they run. And, and in the scheme of things, it's not a guy you normally run it with, right? It's You don't expect a lot of QB draws with Austin Herrick. Now, he can scramble, run some plays, and a read option here and there. But for the most part, he not a runner. It's not his game. That's not what you want to do. The second part of that was Western kind of left Tillman, the, the All-American free safety, in the middle of the field, not to spy him, but in the middle. And I thought he read it well and stepped up. But Traymond Shorts, who wasn't even a starter beginning of the year, the right guard, really did a good job of kind of closing him out. And then Austin really went in. Somebody touched him right around the goal line, but he was virtually untouched. The running back, who I want to say was Sailors in the game at that time, stepped up, made a block, uh, was sort of the lead blocker. Shorts picked the other man up. And Western had five, five, six guys around the line of scrimmage, and for nobody really to touch him on that I thought was a good job schematically that for him to wait a second, which you you sometimes you see this when a quarterback it's not used to running the draw because, again, it's not a play normally ETSU runs. But normally in that situation, adrenaline's pumping. You take the snap instead of waiting the 1-1,000, you just go. And I think, again, because he played in about 40 games, he'd be in that scenario, I thought he did a good job of setting up the play to let it kind of uh, work out. And that's very difficult to do, I would say, with 10 seconds to go, knowing basically the game's on the line because if he don't get it, the chances of an onside kick, then getting a play with no timeouts to even attempt a field goal into the wind was out of control. Preceding that, I'm going to toot my own horn again. I'm proud of the Bucks today, and I'm obviously very proud of myself. I'm proud of Mike Gallagher. <laughs> so, I thought I'd toot my horn a lot. I'm telling you right now, Mike right, G is look, all over when it. When the Bucks are winning. Yeah, they, there we go. When the Bucks are winning, I clearly feel even better about myself as well. They are giving me the confidence to believe in what I am doing as well. Key to the game was penalties. I said that I guaranteed whoever had the uh, least penalties would win. That ended up being the case. Uh, seven for Western Carolina, and maybe it wasn't a big discrepancy, and I don't actually think that uh, penalties really played into the game as much as I thought they would, but the last penalty of the game was the difference between not only the penalty count, but the game itself, fourth and ten on that drive. Uh, Austin Herrick rolling out uh, left, throws into the end zone, uh, interception. Uh, now, he knew he had a free play because of an offside. Who knows how fourth and ten would have played out. I'm sure it you know, could have gone much differently, and Austin was just fourth out. i got to make a play, and I also know that uh, if I throw an interception, it's not the end of the world because I'm going get, to get to do this over. But fourth and ten, you get the free play, throw it in for an interception, and then on a fourth and five, much more manageable down in distance, as Randy Sanders always tells us, we got to have third and manageable is what he always says, but in this case, fourth and manageable. Uh, fourth and five is much more manageable than fourth and ten. And as it turned out, big chunk play. I believe that was the play down to the three-yard line um, that, that got him within scoring range and really on the doorstep of, of tying the game up or at least getting within two to get that two-point conversion. Um, the last penalty of the game, while maybe it wasn't, again, a key as I thought it would be, uh, it definitely was with that offsides. Uh, the difference not only in the penalty count, but also in the contest itself. That, that's just one of those pre-snap penalties that you can't have, and, and it bit the Bucks 
last week against Wofford. This week, uh, Western Carolina, what goes around comes around, right? The ETSU, the beneficiary of one of those pre-snap plays in the biggest situation of the game. I, I the, the the last two penalties, I even back it up more because the offsides on the kick, which is unbelievable. I've never seen a kick return team offsides. Was, yeah. I've never seen that in my entire life. But and, and there's a lot of things. Uh, last year was the onside kick return for a touchdown. I've never seen that. So I guess you you never cease to be amazed, right? But that penalty before the Bucks even got the ball, Western would have had the ball around their 28-29 yard line. They lost 15 yards in it because they they got it at the 14. That was the next last penalty. So I thought that was huge because 15 yards of, yeah. of of situational football there. Then. Uh, as you mentioned, the last penalty from fourth and ten to fourth and five just kind of extended everything. Uh, so it's amazing to see just the fight uh, of the Bucks and be able just to make timely plays. And I thought, you know, ETSU did a good job calling the two-minute offense, and, and really the last five minutes was a two-minute offense, but mixing up between screens mixing up between little quick outs to a kick, like it seemed like after they threw a couple quick outs, then they would hit a deep play, 15, 20 yards. It was, it was you know, Western started to creep up, boom, they hit them. As soon as they went back, they went back to the short game. I thought Randy Sanders was was on his game. I thought Austin Herrick uh, was, was on the reads. There was obviously one or two throws I'm sure he could look back at. And I thought the only thing was a couple times he took uh, and ended up not hurting, but, you know, picking up two yards and, and, and play like that, I'm, you know, is, is, is second and eight any better in second and ten when, when time's your enemy. But, again, he knew exactly time and situation. He was able to, to, to pick up plays. The clock management was perfect again for the Bucks, and I thought it was perfect towards – and I know it didn't end up in points at the end of the first half, but I thought clock management into the first half for the Bucks, And then, of course, it was a turnover. But the clock management there and the clock management into the game was unbelievable. Let's hear from Randy Sanders. It was a big day for Jacob Sailors, and he has the luxury of having two running backs that, when they are at their best, are certainly starting quality in the Southern Conference. It was good to see him. You know, I, I understand what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I need to give him the ball more. I, I, <laughs> Jay was a guy that he, he showed up for us. Early in the year, and, and really did well. Then honestly, he hit a little freshman wall in there for a few weeks. He's bouncing back. He's a talented guy. We're fortunate to have two running backs like what we have with with uh, Jacob and Quay, both good players. Uh, they complement each other very well. Whichever one of them gets the hot hand is is going to play. I, I expect them to be more concerned about wins than their personal stats, and I expect them to be team guys. And so far, they have done that. I don't want to say Jacob Saylor's out of nowhere because we've seen his ability. We know he can succeed, but you called it a breakout game after the contest was over, and I think he definitely announced his presence in that backfield. I think it was 12 carries, 124 yards, and a couple scores. Yeah, and also, you know, he caught uh, a few balls as well. Uh, I, I think, you know, I, I think Coach is right. And I, I knew that it was a hot hand. I wasn't really – of course, he's jokingly saying that uh, I was trying to tell him to give him the ball, which I wasn't. I was just – he got hot late and was able to, to see things and, and bust it outside. And, you know, the fourth and one is a play that the Bucks. we didn't even talk about that, but that's something ETSU has clearly struggled at. And not only did uh, Randy know uh, that Western was probably going to – throw points on the board, but he felt good about going for it there. And he talked about that exact point right here. I can't speak to the past. All I can speak to is uh, this football team. I think this football team has um, come a million miles just in toughness, mental toughness. It's not so much physical toughness, but we, I think we're making some strides that way, but it's mental toughness, just accepting the fact that adversity is going to come, not being discouraged by it. Accept it, receive it, treat it for what it is. All it is is adversity. The only thing that matters is how we're going to respond. What are we going to do? And our, and our guys, are they're handling it the right way. They're responding the right way. And so that was in response to your question about fourth and one and kind of the symbolism surrounding it because you and Matt Wilson did an excellent job in the broadcast of pointing out, and you're doing so again right here, that – Fourth and one has been the bugaboo. I mean, it's not only the fact that you can't get the one yard literally. It's kind of been, I think, that mountain that ETSU hasn't been able to get over. Uh, it's fourth and one, yes, in the play and on the field and in games where they've lost, but it's also been that one yard, right, that one extra mile, that one rep, that one bit of effort, that one play in practice, that one whatever 
that ETSU has not been able to get over. So not only the fact that ETSU picked up the fourth and one, but I thought it was very symbolic that Jacob Saylor's in that third overtime, bounced it outside, was able to score from 16 yards out on fourth and one. To me, that represents not only getting that one yard physically, but also saying, yes, this season is for real. And we got over a hump that had plagued us for so many situations and so many years since football has been back. Uh, to me, that was much bigger than one play. Yeah, and, and, and that's exactly right because uh, it, it is what has held the program. But even going back to the first year, there were two chances to pick up wins. And, and I know instead of two and nine, you're four and seven, but it, it's your first year, right? It's your two chances to pick up wins. The next year there was a couple of chances. Uh, or actually, I think there was three chances the next year. There were two chances last year yep. at home, not able to do it. And so a lot of those fourth and ones they weren't getting were actually at home. And so I think being able to just know that we could get that, right, that ETSU can just line up and say, here's our jumbo package, here's our guys, we're going to go. And then not only that, but to do it emphatically, with not just getting the one, but picking up an extra 15, 16 yards for a touchdown uh, in the third overtime, uh, just just set a tone. And then the other thing I thought was sort of symbolic of the game is as Austin Herrick um, dropped back on the two-point, nothing's open. He was trying to get to Sailors on a little angle route, and, and Sailors was covered up, and then Austin runs it and breaks the plane for a touchdown, but the ball was not loose. And say that was there to jump on the ball. I mean, it's just like it seemed like he was everywhere yeah. and doing everything he was supposed to be. But, uh, you know, there's times where, uh, you know, this week could be Quay Holmes been the guy. There's times been saved. But what ETSU hasn't had is many threats at running back. And now they've got a couple of kids that for the next couple of years, you know, barring anything crazy from happening, the, I mean, the future looks unbelievable for the running game. I thought that fourth and one, as much as anything, and maybe the, the comebacks as well this year, um, certainly – show where this program is, where it's come from, and the fact that it truly has arrived. Because these situations that ETSU has been in, losing football teams fold under pressure. Losing football teams curl up in a corner, and they don't get the fourth and one. They, they, they give up when they're down 21 points in the third quarter, 15 points with six minutes to go. And these teams in the past, the last three years, very well may have done that. But this is not those teams. And the one thing Randy Sanders said post game that he still believes needs to improve is consistency. I don't want them to try to elevate their game. I want the game to be elevated from the first play. If, if, if you play with great intensity and you play with great effort and you play with great concentration from the first play until the last, when you're faced with a fourth and one or you're faced with a two-point play to win the game, those situations aren't big because that's the way you practice every play. That's the way you try to play every play. If, if you approach it with that mindset, it's, it's just another play. So what now what? you get too caught up in the situations or the scoreboard or what, whatever, then that becomes a huge play. A lot of times those huge plays, plays will make you freeze up. I don't want our guys to freeze up because I want it to be just another play. I want them to play uh, with the same intensity on the very first play as they do on a, that play to get you to overtime or the play to win the game in overtime because they're, they're no different. The game doesn't care when the play is made, and the play don't care who makes it. You know, so just – Let's try to make every possible play we can from the first play until the very last play. You know, Randy, he's always going to push for more, and that's the job of a head coach, right? Don't let the players revel in the glory of what they're doing. Always have your eyes ahead. Always let them know that they need to be focused on what's next. But I think it's a great point by Coach Sanders that you, when it comes to your mindset, you cannot by any means. Uh, just rise to the occasion in the moment. Because if you haven't been preparing for that moment, if you haven't put yourself in situations and come out with the same intensity throughout the game, that moment's going to overwhelm you. And it's a great philosophy by Coach Sanders. And I think just one of the things that he's really changed in this culture and um, gotten in his players' heads about. Because there's been a lot of them, right? I mean, there's been a lot of things where we've seen the dynamic shifts over uh, the last number of months. But he, he continues to let us into piece by piece his entire game plan for this program and this team, and that to me is just another that fits the puzzle. 
I, I I'm just I'm so curious because of how this year's gone, right? It's almost a how do you top it, right? How do you do? Wow. But I, I'll say this: the learning to win mentality, the the building that that this is how you win games. This is what you do for all the younger guys that see this, right? They get a taste of that. Then they and, and that's what he's talking about. They know down the road this is how you win. This is, now the Bucks haven't necessarily closed down. I guess they closed out. Gardner Webb, but other than that, they haven't really closed anybody. They've had to come from, but eventually you get a lead and, and step on people, so you don't have to do any of that in the fourth quarter. You don't have to do these come from behinds. But what that does for these young guys, think about Holmes and Sailors for a good example. Freshmen, right? Think about the sophomore class with Bockerith and Robinson and those guys. But what it does for them is they start to to have another year with Randy Sanders as the offense continues to change shapes and looks with different uh, receivers and quarterbacks and linemen and eventually it'll be tailbacks. Those guys are going to have to graduate at some point in time, but eventually bring in uh, different tailbacks. And I think the the locker room right now, if there was any doubt if, if they were buying in, doing whatever, but, but what it does when you win all those games and the confidence level, but then everyone starts to, to come on board sooner. It'll be curious to see because there's so many fifth-year seniors, right? And you got a guy like Austin Herrick that's – uh, doing the things he's doing, it'll be hard to top next year. I know it'll be one of those where it's like, oh my goodness, so you you win, you know, you're playing for conference championship, whether you win or don't uh, at the end of the year, and you, maybe you make the playoffs, you don't, but you're sitting there and you're looking at it and you're going, so many fifth year guys that have got to be replaced. What do you do? And my argument uh, quickly to that would be, well, look how many young guys are seeing meaningful snaps, making meaningful plays that have now been in this situation. And it is tough for some of the young, especially look at the D-line. It's very tough for guys t- to crack that top four when you're talking about it. I know Nasir Player wasn't even on the field at the end of the game. Yeah, concussion but, protocol. But you still got him as a redshirt junior could come back. You've got Jason Madua-Fakwa, uh, who would have another year. So both bookends will be there. You lose Tremont Farrell and Chris Boyer, which I think are, are big losses. But it, it's tough right now for any young guy to get in there. So there's going to be some young guys that will – be able to get in and, and make a play. And when you have a run like this, you know, what does that do for recruiting? What does that do for the type of, of athletes? You know, Coach Torres didn't take a lot of transfers. Will Randy Sanders be able to use some of his stature and guys that he was recruiting on another level uh, for the last year or so at Florida State or, or, or that didn't go to Florida State or going whatever, that he has relationships with those guys where it doesn't work out? You know, will some of those guys have a landing spot here at, at ETSU? And uh, I, I think it's unbelievable uh, in four years to look at that. And I mean, even look at Kennesaw. Give them a lot of credit, too. Number two team in the country. Again, I would say they've got a, a better advantage uh, to draw from that Atlanta area. And they do and have been taking Atlanta kids that started their football career somewhere else. And, it's and a different have, model. And have come back. It is. It's a different model. It's a different area. It's different things. But ETSU with Randy Sanders, I think, are starting to make a lot of noise nationally that will help them in that recruiting war. But it all starts with what happened this year. Yes. And and the run. And I don't I don't want this show to end today. I really don't want this show or this season to end because it's tough not to sit back and be in awe. I know the team doesn't have an opportunity. We get to do yes. it weekly. And it's, yeah. it, it's becoming ever – more difficult to try to explain what we've seen Yeah. other than this is a special year with a special group of guys with a head coach that that's got them to come together as quickly as it has is unbelievable. And that's why I'm not even going to think about recruiting. I'm not going to think about the future. I'm not going to think about anything at all aside from the fact that this team is seven and two. It's tied atop the SOCON and an NCAA playoff berth is right around the corner if they win what I think needs to be just one of their last two. Well, we need to talk uh, a lot more about this. Unfortunately, yes. that we're running out of time. I got to step aside and about Santos and the sidekick on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Ballot Health is an integrated healthcare system built to meet the local needs in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia. Together with community, we are transforming our region. We're making communities healthier. We're expanding access to critical services in rural areas. And we're investing in health research and medical education. It's your story. We're listening. Ballot Health is proud to be the official health care provider of ETSU Athletics. Go Bucks!
The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's Restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 1216 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. Wendy's has an all-new... You had me at Wendy's. Good, because Wendy's has a new bacon cheeseburger, and it's called... You had me at bacon. Well, what if I told you Wendy's kept going and added a smoky, tangy sauce, and it's called the Sawsome Bacon... You had me at Sawsome. It's called the Sawsome Bacon Classic. Sawsome Bacon Classic? Sounds amazing. Why didn't you just say that from the start? Also, if you download the Wendy's app, you'll get special offers like $2 off any combo. Huh, well, now you have me downloading the Wendy's app. At participating Wendy's for a limited time. Mulliken Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulliken's pre-finished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson City locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulliken Flooring. Bucks fans and football fans across the country can now design their dream home during pregame or halftime. The new My Designs app by General Shale lets you create custom projects right from your phone or tablet. Choose from 10 home and building structures designed with over 50 popular brick and stone colors. You can even share your designs with friends. Download the My Designs app by General Shale on the App Store or visit MyDesignsApp.com to design your dream project today. General Shale, a proud supporter of ETSU Athletics. New coach, new era, new day. Here from ETSU football headman Randy Sanders all fall on the ETSU Coaches Show now on Wednesday nights. If you're scared by all the change, don't be. Voice of the Bucks, Jay Sando, still host from Wild Wing Cafe, and it's still a 6 o'clock start now every Wednesday throughout the football season. Morristown native and new ETSU football head coach Randy Sanders on the ETSU Coaches Show right here on WXSM AM 640. The Extreme Sports Monster. Pros. Buckle up for Kobe Kobe Bryant just sucked the gravity out of the target center. What a play. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! In your life have you seen anything like that? And the deep left center from Mitchell. And we'll see you Hit 42 home runs during the regular season. And we are going to game seven in the National League Championship Series. The band is out on the field. He's going to go into the end zone. He's going to go the band. The band have won. The band have won. Versus Jays. I need a shower. Well, this is a shame because I think this segment could be loaded this week. I know it's not one of your favorites, but... The amount that we can discuss around this week's pros versus Jays, and it actually has nothing to do with any of your calls from the Western Carolina game. It has more to That's do a with miracle. well, it has more to do with. I don't know if anyone noticed. I don't think the majority of America did, but the World Series just ended, uh, and there was an 18-inning game. I think it was Thursday or Friday, whenever it was. Yeah, Friday. Uh, I couldn't have cared less to stay up till four in the morning to watch it, quite honestly. But uh, Joe Buck broadcasted for what I believe was almost seven hours. Uh, the game did end at like 3, 4 in the morning, right? I mean, this is... I, well, let, well, let's just go over this to give Joe, and I have no sure. idea what you're about to play. Sure. But he did the first two games of the World Series. Yep. All right, up in Boston. Flies to Houston. Thursday night football. Does a Thursday night football in Houston. Goes to Atlanta, or Atlanta, goes to L.A., right? So he goes east, central, west coast. Yep. And then does that that, that that epic. The only good thing about the World Series, at least, he did the first couple games. So some of the prep is taken out. But just, yes, the grind of all of that. And we can go on for days on the Joe Buck argument. And we've actually touched on it a couple times over the last week about how maligned this man is. He gets more hate than any broadcaster that I've ever seen. Uh, this was Joe Buck in the 18th inning. 
the walk-off home run that ended it for L.A. Muncy flies one in the air to left center. Back at the wall, and it's gone! It's over! Muncy, a walk-off home run to win game three in the 18th. Night, night. Not bad. No, I, I, I love the call. I was going to say, I heard Matt Vaskersian, who did the radio. Yes. He was asleep when he called his. Really? And most people were playing his call over Bucks, and I thought that was a spectacular call. I thought so, too. I thought the energy considering that, the night, I mean, you know. It was probably hey, genuine, too, because he was yeah, thrilled he was that probably, the damn game was over. He, he, he probably literally slept through it. But I think the big thing, uh, Vaskersian was like, you know, he's going back, he's at the wall. And it's a home run, and uh, didn't even pop. So so and so. I mean, it was wow. like a. It That's was a, a very. I don't. I don't know. Not. I like Matt Vasquezin personally. So I, I actually met him when I when I covered the XFL. Is how long ago it was. Sure. But the original one back when uh, the Orlando Rage. When I was living down in Florida, but it was. Uh, it, it was interesting to hear his call, and now hearing uh, Joe's again. It was. It was a spectacular call. You can hear him. It's representative of the moment, right? And that's the job of broadcasters. He almost doesn't get there. His voice kind of cracks. You can tell that he is exhausted, but then when the ball leaves the park, it's jubilation. So that's Joe Buck on Night Night. Here's Jay Sandos on Good Night! Austin Herring. There it oh, is. and they do it. They got him! They got him! If he catches it, it's over! Bowl game! Touchdown, Jawan Stinson! 25 yards! Good night! I did these two simply because of night, night, and good night. But there's also some, some symbolism in the fact that ETSU in football had another thriller at home, had another victory that came down to the last play, much like they did last year against Mercer when Austin Heron hit Jawan Stinson wide open in the slot, 25 yards for the touchdown. Good night, as you said. Joe Buck, night, night, versus Jay Sandos, good night. Your thoughts? His more timely than mine. It was, uh, let's be honest, mine was probably like 7, 7 o'clock when I yelled night, night. His was a... Uh, <laughs> 3.34 in the morning, so, uh, and, and to World Series walk-off home run, uh, overtime game, at least there's a little similarity there as far as free free sports, but uh, no, I think I think Buck nailed that. I think I don't think he nails every call. I'm not a hater, as a lot of people are on Joe Buck, but sometimes I'm like, eh, it's a good call, but he, uh, he, he certainly knocked that one out of the ballpark. It is kind of timely you've had that one <laughs> queued up because we had another one, but uh, I love that night-night call. I thought uh, I may steal that at some point. That's all good broadcasters, too. <laughs> okay, we got to go. Yeah, we're back. Bold uh, prediction results. Uh, I think we're even this week. We'll we find out well. right after this timeout on Santos and the Sidekick. Don't forget to subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes on the Bucket Works Network. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets. High-performance gas ranges or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. Purchasing a new home, remodeling your home, First Bank and Trust makes applying for a loan easy. Our online application process is designed to allow you to stop anytime and pick up where you left off when it works for you. And after you submit an online application, you can check your loan status anytime. Visit or call me, Rose Fulton, today for help with your purchase, refinance, construction, or home loan. We're there for all your mortgage needs because we're your bank for life. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. This is the Pepsi that your father drank and your grandfather drank. When I was your age, we were... This is the Pepsi that your Uncle Ted drank when rock sounded like this. This is the Pepsi for American pastimes. Whether you're tailgating at a speedway or courtside watching your favorite player make a breakaway... He scores! This is the Pepsi for those who are forever fun. This is the Pepsi for every generation. 
Known for its personalized service and friendliness, the environment at the Johnson City Country Club is comfortable, casual, and inviting. One of the greatest assets is the beautiful clubhouse. From the sweeping verandas, the fireplace in the massive ballroom, to our intimate private dining rooms to our 19th hole. The clubhouse accommodates all desires. For decades, the Johnson City Country Club has been host to numerous wedding receptions, business meetings, golf outings, and an array of social functions. The setting is ideal for any event in any season. Whether your function is large or small, your guests will enjoy a fine dining experience with professional, courteous attention. The Johnson City Country Club, a tradition since 1990. No one knows better than the Bucks what it takes to compete on the college level. No one knows better than Bullseye what it takes to compete in the business market. At Bullseye, we provide innovative products and services to help our customers meet their business objectives, and you can count on us for graphic design, printing, mailing services, and much more. Bullseye, a preferred partner of the ETSU Athletic Department. Call Bullseye in Johnson City at 423-283-7772 or visit us on Hanover Road near Cheddar's. Bullseye. For all your printing needs. LeBron is a Laker. Four-year, $154 million, a max deal. I'm ecstatic. I think it was the right situation, the right call for him to make. He wasn't going to get anything accomplished in Cleveland. That was obvious. ESPN has announced the network's new broadcast team for the 49th season of Monday Night Football. Former Dallas Cowboys tight end Jason Witten, who recently announced his retirement after a 15-year pro career, so immediately jump into the analyst role. LeVar Ball's big baller brand has gotten an F rating from the Better Business Bureau. The Browns dropped the ball all year long. Unfortunately, a team, a coach, an organization, not good enough to earn one win. The only win in the last two years came on Christmas Eve. Now here we are on New Year's Eve, talking about a team that will go down as one of the worst in NFL history. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. A simple wrong would have done just fine. Bold prediction. Pumped. Jacob, eat those bold predictions. How you like those, buddy? Well, let me just say this about the uh, bumper there. The Browns just fired Hugh Jackson. Breaking news in there. So, are oh, you are you serious? Yeah. yeah, just came through Adam Schefter. Oh. And Wait a second. The he last was fired after an 0 and 16 season, and yeah. now they win two games and they fire him. Last and the last six Browns, right? yeah, the last six Browns head coaches have all been fired after their second game against the Steelers that season. Now, oh, how about that? That's an amazing stat. There you go. That is an amazing yeah. stat. Uh, what's more ridiculous, that or Teron Lue being fired by the Cavaliers oh, because yeah, the best seriously. player in the world seriously. left? I mean, Can we just on. say that? I don't. I don't like the firings, but let's just be quite blunt. Both of those coaches are not good coaches. They were going to get fired at some point. Let's just cut it off now. Let's just oh, rip okay. the bandaid off. But but fire Teron Lou after the end of last year when LeBron leaves. That's or fine as well. Him, or keep him through this year because you're not going anywhere with or without him. And then fire him after he has a bad year. But LeBron James leaves, then you fire him. Hugh Jackson fire him after going 0-16. Because but, you have to. You're well, obligated to. That's a whole segment I could do on that. But yeah. – uh, Let's go over both predictions. I have a lot of good thoughts on the Cavs situation. Okay. okay. Well, maybe a special Sandus and a sidekick. Um, Quay Holmes, Jay, you said would score three touchdowns rushing. Yes. You also said Austin Herrick would score, would throw three touchdown passes. And he should have. They were drop passes. That should count. Go. Well, uh, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, they both ended up with only one, so you were wrong on those two. You also stuck with VMI again. They lost well, again to Chattanooga 34-27. to 25th straight oh. loss. I'm still going with it. And they had <laughs> – they had an opportunity late again. Oh, no, I take that back. They scored and then couldn't recover the onside kick with a minute to go, but they were leading at halftime. I thought they had it. Yeah. yeah You've go been ahead. very close on VMI. Well, I would say they're going to end that streak this week when they beat Tusculum, but that's not going to be an FCS win. But um, I'll say this. Let's go ahead and just stick with you, Jay, because let's start about your two extra ones you gave us. Mm-hmm. You, you gave us Oklahoma State over Texas. Correct by you, sir. I am the smartest man alive. And you also said Arizona over Oregon. That was my big They're one. Genius. Boom. That was my big one. I'm not a believer of the Ducks. Not a believer of the Ducks. Former uh, baseball SID uh, Ron Dunn. Uh, well, actually, me and him went to Tucson together. Actually, the the about two months later, got a job, moved back out there, and so I had. Uh, he actually works for the Pac-12 Network during home games of Arizona, and I told him my bold prediction, and he openly laughed at me on the phone. He was like, wow. I've seen every game. There's no way. Wow. So I wasn't feeling pretty good about it after when I talked to him. Maybe you are a genius. <laughs> but got the dub. Yeah, 44-15. Uh, Mike, Jeez. 
You said ETSU would get over 200 rushing yards. You better they got believe 247. It. You better believe it. He's the smartest man in the universe. In the universe, Jason. Yeah, that, that was a good pick. That was and, a good but pick. here's the one where we're almost running out of time. We wish we had more time for this yes. one. But you said Missouri over Kentucky. Then you found out that Missouri was favored. So you went Kentucky over Missouri. Kentucky won the last second play. I'm a genius. That's in a protest. I'm a genius. That's in a protest. I am brilliant. He didn't even know I'm who's favorite. Hey, what's it makes up for the fact that Ty Montgomery cost me my last bowl prediction, Green Bay over L.A. I'm yeah. still bitter about that. You would have so a go, perfect week. So I go two for – yeah, the trifecta. So I go uh, two for three, you go two for five. But but Jay Sando's batting average is probably still horrific where mine is. It still is. Mike, you're now batting 333. You've gotten 10 right. Jay, you've gotten seven right, batting 219. Bang! I'm up there. Woo! All right. That'll do it, Jake. Good job. We'll talk to you on Friday uh, when we do another – Segment on bold predictions. Tomorrow, Rick Cameron, voice of the Mercer Bears, will join us. Angry Man. And I've got a good one for Angry Man. Uh, Coach Steve Forbes, he wanted me to chime in on that. So we'll talk about that and more on tomorrow's show. Sanderson, the sidekick. This is the Buccaneer Sports Network. <laughs>